Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. It's good to be here and good to uh, have you here in the house of the Lord. Sister Jostran and I are happy to be here. And um, we just, uh, well, we came from the South again. That's Arkansas. And we didn't bring this cold weather. You created it. Uh, but it's nice. Someone said, isn't this nice weather? I said, well, it's a little chilly for us. But uh, I understand uh, Arkansas had some cold weather. So they're like we are. Well, it's good to see all of you here. And I don't know your names. Uh, good to have uh, our visitors with us. Lord bless you. I'm uh, just helping uh, out a little bit while the pastor is busy preaching for another service. And um, so we had intended to come a week or so ago, but it worked out that we would come now. Now, I don't know all of your names. Um, I do know that uh, I know uh, where you sit, and I know your faces. I know Brother Don Predmore sits right there, and if he's not there, uh, when I scan the audience, I say, well, he's either sick or something. And I know the cooks right here in the center, uh, and I go over here and I see uh, uh, the galonies on this side. So I know a few names, but I do know <coughs> your faces, and uh, if you're not in your seat, well, then uh, I'm going to say, where are they? But uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, it is good to be here. We had intended to come uh, really a couple weeks ago, and uh, an individual in our church who uh, is um, a uh, trustee board member, he's head of our adult uh, superintendent uh, adult class, and he is head usher, and. He actually was, he has been here. He and his wife, I think, visited one time. He was former mayor of our city for uh, several years before the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost and we baptized him in Jesus' name. And, and he's been very vital. And he had uh, went in for a um, uh, hip replacement. And uh, he's a retired farmer and just a great, he and his wife, great family. Uh, and uh, so uh, we were there uh, for the surgery and the doctor, very prominent doctor in the state of Arkansas, did the hip replacement and came out and said he did excellent, everything is fine. And we made a small incision, replaced uh, the hip and said tomorrow we'll have him up walking and, and uh, said probably the next day we'll send him home. And so, well, we just thank the Lord for a good report, and uh, so uh, we came home the next day, and and uh, we were there, and he was walking, doing his uh, uh, therapy, and doing just great. And uh, yesterday, uh, we received a call that they were, uh, the pastor called me and said, uh, we're taking him back to the hospital, or, and he said, we're on our way, he has had a stroke. And uh, uh, so they called, and I said, well, tell them we'll be in prayer. 
And so, and of course, I, we were staying just uh, uh, across from the parking lot. So Sister Jostrand was gone, and, and so I said, well, uh, only thing I know what to do is just pray. Well, I prayed there at the house, and then I came over, and uh, uh, why, I don't know why this is, and I'm gonna talk about it in a few minutes, but I came here to the church uh, for some reason, and I walked in the door, and I made a lamp around here walking, and I just prayed, walked all the way around the church, and uh, uh, asked God, Lord, touch him, help him, and he's a very vital part of our church, and, and uh, I didn't know the will of God for his life and what brought this on uh, and so on. But I just made a walk around the church. And you say, why would you do that? Well, because way back in the Old Testament, when Solomon dedicated the temple of God, and it, it had, I'm sure, stone and mortar and like we have in wood and just like uh, this building here with the brick and carpet and all of that. But God said, Solomon, when you dedicate this temple, I am going to hallow it. It's going to become holy. You say, why, Lord, would it become holy? Because the Lord told Solomon, I've not only hallowed it, but I've put my name there. And so when they came in to dedicate the temple, the presence of God was so strong that the singers and those couldn't even get in for the first service because of the presence of God. And so when I made this walk around the church, I thought, Lord, you have hallowed this place. And I know it's stone and brick, but you've hallowed it. And you've put your name there. And I just made a walk and I said, God, touch Brother Jack. Allow your presence to bring healing to him. And, and I walked on out. I just made one, one lap around the church and got home and the phone rang and the pastor said, Brother Joe Strand. So we were there at the hospital. We had prayer and his son was there and, and uh, said his wife was there and, and uh, God has moved in and uh, said he had a strong grip in both hands and said uh, we talked with him, he talked with us. He said you could tell there was just a little bit uh, in his speech, but he said uh, uh, he is doing much, much better. Well, then I begin to thank God. You say, well, was it? No, they prayed, we prayed, but it was, a, it was just the, the touch of God's presence. And everybody here has uh, a need. And uh, when uh, the Lord spoke to, the, uh, uh, to John on the island and said, uh, the Laodicean hour, and we, that's the last church age, the church age we are believing in, a fellow said, well, how do you know it's the last age? Well, there were only seven, and the Laodicean was the last. There ain't no more. So we're living in the Laodicean hour, a lukewarm hour. But he told that church, 
he said, you know, you need to uh, buy some white raiment that you can be clothed, gold and silver and so on. And he said, what's wrong with, well, you're lukewarm and you have need of nothing. I need God. I need his touch. I need his presence. We live in that lukewarm age, but we realize that's why we're here, is because each one of us have a need. Everybody here has a need. And I want to speak to you about uh, our greatest need. Our greatest need. Your greatest need. My greatest need. The church's greatest need. Our uh, society's greatest need. Uh, the state and uh, the city and we as individuals are our uh, greatest need. Uh, and um, you have heard where individuals have said, uh, uh, that's not a good environment. That's a bad environment, or uh, that's not the best. Uh, and uh, environment, if you will look it up in the dictionary, means the conditions by which one is surrounded, defined as the circumstances. So when we define environment, it's the conditions about it. It could be good, could be bad, and uh, in fact, could be negative, could be positive, could be healthy or unhealthy, but our environment is the conditions that we are surrounded with. And uh, when we were, when I was in St. Paul, where my home, and just a young fella, uh, probably we were 14, 15, a bunch of us said we wanted to go bowling. And uh, so we, asked, we talked to the pastor about it, and uh, he said, sons, he said, look, at, um, uh, right now, he said, it's not the activity, he said, but um, it's not a good environment. And he said, I really wish you wouldn't go. He said, the activity's fine, but he said, the environment of most of our bowling alleys were, were not the best place for young men to go. So we said, well, fine. Uh, we didn't understand all about environment, but we understand that he said that was not the, the best environment uh, to go. Well, when I was uh, just a fella, I grew up in, in, there in St. Paul, and I lived uh, on St. Anthony Avenue, which was a main, one of the main roads from downtown St. Paul to Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, and, and um, so we were kind of in the middle of that area. In fact, we had a blind school at one corner and a little potato chip factory across the street and, and it was a fourplex in the middle and then we lived in a duplex and, and kids and all of these uh, situations and across the street was uh, a tavern. And uh, so uh, I think I went in that tavern every day almost because if we'd get a nickel or we'd get a dime by either shoveling snow or working around, why uh, uh, the tavern had a big counter that had all kind of candy bars. In that day, they were a nickel. And uh, if you bought a dime, you got two of them. But uh, anyway, and then they had a little milk and bread. And then across, to, just around the corner, was a big old barn. Some, they served food and, and so on. It was called a tavern. And uh, so we'd go in there and think nothing about it. But uh, you could only stay in one area. When you, if you got near over this, kids, get over there. Well, you didn't get near the bar. There was an invisible line there. 
And so you didn't wander around because they're alcohol and so on. And, uh, but we thought nothing about it. We'd go in and, and get a candy bar. We didn't think about looking uh, over there at the bar. And sometimes there were a few men standing there drinking and so on. And uh, that was uh, uh, really not uh, a good environment, but we didn't even think about environment. Uh, we just thought about getting a, a candy bar and, or sometimes uh, uh, my mom would send us over for milk if we'd run out or bread, but uh, uh, it was uh, not the best environment, but we weren't even thinking that. We just, uh, our environment was get a candy bar and, and leave, and it was right across the street, so went in there a lot. When, uh, we, when I moved to St. Louis and uh, was assistant pastor, I w had an insurance debit. And uh, on the debit, uh, which I inherited the southern part of St. Louis, and uh, uh, on the debit were several individuals that had insurance with our company, and uh, uh, they said, collected uh, where I work. Where do you work? I work in a tavern. Either own the tavern or I'm uh, a manager of it or whatever. And so I really didn't think anything about it uh, I would go in to the tavern usually once a month, several of them I had on my, in my debit, uh, and uh, I'd go in and, and uh, I, sometimes I would go up to the bar and put the book open and, and uh, he'd come and pay me the money and I'd jot him down, close him, walk out. And usually it was about eight, nine o'clock in the morning and very, sometimes usually no one there, sometimes it would be maybe one individual, but I didn't think anything about it, see? And uh, one of them one day uh, said, uh, Mr. Jostrand said, uh, you're gonna have to come back at seven o'clock tonight. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I'll still be working. I'll just jot over and, and uh, pick up uh, the premium. And, and so, and it was probably around between seven and eight. Man, seven and eight, I walked into the tavern and it was loaded down with people and music and drinking. I thought, oh my God, what am I into here? I said, this, now I understood what the wrong environment was all about. So I quickly, I got in there, got the money and got out of there and uh, came home and, and uh, I said, you know what, I'm, a, I'm gonna make sure that uh, he does not uh, let me come into that uh, situation uh, at uh, seven, eight o'clock. And so I, I told the owner, and I said, man, it's really getting wild in here. He said, well, you ought to wait around here until about midnight. We're just getting started. I thought, no, thank you. I said, uh, uh, <clears throat> I was hoping that, that uh, when I uh, uh, walked out of there that the, uh, the district superintendent wouldn't be seeing me coming out of the bar. And uh, because I was new in the, the district, in Missouri district anyway, and I thought, uh-oh, I said, if Brother Brandy would see me coming out of here, he'd say, what in the world are you doing in there at 8 o'clock at night? But uh, <clears throat> environment, uh, the surroundings that uh, we have. Uh, God had something to do with, with environment. And uh, the Bible tells us in Genesis that <clears throat> God created heaven and earth. And uh, earth was without form, void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God separated 
the uh, uh, light or the darkness from the day uh, or the light. And he said, well, I'm going to call uh, the day uh, I'm going to, um, the, or the light I'm going to call day and uh, the darkness I'll call night. I'm going to separate them. And uh, so the environment for uh, the day was the greater light, the sun. So he put the sun there to rule the day. And so the environment for the sun was uh, to uh, bring the sunshine and day and, and so on. But the night that he separated, he said, I'm going to put the moon and the stars, the environment for them uh, to work in or to exist in was the night. And so he said, that's the environment for them. I'm going to separate them and they're going to do uh, they're going to, they're fine and in their place. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I love, uh, uh, I love the moon at night and the stars and the darkness and, uh, uh, it's a good time to rest if you can. And, uh, the day, uh, the sun and so on. Beautiful. Uh, first trip that we made uh, to Sweden and uh, we went in, we went in the, in the um, summertime because they said that's the, the best time to go. And my dad uh, was, of course, born in, in Stockholm, Sweden, so we thought we'd go back uh, to my roots, and we did. Uh, and uh, we went in this hotel, and the drapes were heavy, heavy, almost like a, a rubber with a cloth backing. I mean, dark. And so I pulled them back, and I said, man, we got to get a little sunlight in here. Uh, and so uh, uh, they'd already told us about this, but I didn't, didn't think about it. Uh, anyway, I pulled those drapes back, and uh, uh, at 9 o'clock, the sun was shining. Bright could be. I said, man, so this, but we, we got to get up early for a tour and, and so on. And uh, I said, uh, 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 we're going to go to bed. At midnight, the sun was shining. And I said, uh-oh, I know what the problem is. That's why they put these heavy drapes in here, is because uh, the sun doesn't go down till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and then it just stays for a little bit, and it's back up. So you have to have more than a couple hours sleep. Uh, and so this was uh, a different time. Well, uh, different part of the world. And uh, the environment for it was, uh, uh, was to be up most of the time. But in, in winter, then, of course, you see very little of the sun. So, but the environment that God uh, created uh, them was to exist the day and uh, at night. And then he said, you know what, uh, we're, going to have, um, we're going to have land and we're going to have uh, water, so I'm going to, I'll, I'll separate them. The environment for the land will be the trees, the vegetation, and so on. So he separated the waters, and he said, okay, uh, I'm going to put fish in the sea. And the environment for the fish was to live in the sea, not on land. The environment for the trees and the grasses, uh, he said, that's the environment for them. So uh, uh, I'm going to call this sea, but the fish uh, need to live uh, in, the, in the sea. And uh, so the environment uh, for 
uh, the fish, the land, the animals, uh, all in their place needed to exist there. That's where God had uh, placed them. And, and of course, it was a, uh, it was a good environment. And, uh, you know, the manufacturer, when he invents something, will tell you just exactly how to use it and when to use it and, and the environment that you need to use it in. Uh, we were on, in, on a trip with some students to Europe, and so uh, I, I had several camera, cameras before this. And anyway, I thought, well, they said, you're, you, I'm going to be using my hands. Take the strap and put it around your neck and put that camera where you're not going to drop it. Don't try to hold it and do this. And you got kids you're taking care of and all those things. So I did just exactly what the manufacturer said. And, and uh, this camera was not designed to go underwater. It was designed to be around my neck and so on. Well, uh, we were doing something, and I don't know, was near a pond uh, or a stream. And so I had this camera around my neck, and I bent over to pick something out of the stream. And when I did, the camera went down, totally submerged in the water. Uh, right away, I knew this uh, camera I put in the wrong environment. So when I got it out, took the film out, tried to save it, well, it was gone. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, well, I did what they said, but they didn't say to dunk it in the water. And, and so the environment was, uh, uh, was, was, just, uh, uh, was just not the right environment. And you know, God uh, prescribed an environment for everything that he created. Whether it's the sun, the moon, the stars, the vegetation, the animals, the fish, uh, he did. And so he said, now uh, I have uh, man. What am I going to do with man? So he made the Garden of Eden. And Eden, I looked it up, Eden means delight. So he made the Garden of Delight. He formed man and he put man in the Garden of Eden. And so that was the uh, uh, best environment for man, was the garden. And, and you say, why was it the, the best environment? Because Adam didn't have a choir, didn't have these beautiful singers up here, didn't have keyboard, piano, organ, didn't have prophets, apostles, preachers, teachers, didn't have what you and I have. But guess what he did have? In the cool of the day. How are you, God? How are you, Adam? Well, I named some animals today. We're having a great day. Sun is shining. I'm trying to keep the garden and dress it. Adam's need and the greatest need was the presence of Almighty God. He didn't need anything else. We do. He didn't need anything else because he just could link arms if I 
say that because it says he heard the voice of God walking. So let's just say, I know God's a spirit, but let's just say just kind of link arms with God, fellowship with God, with what? The presence of Almighty God, see? And he could do that every day, see? Lord, a little bit late today, but uh, I, I had some animals that I had to get named. And, uh, but uh, Lord, uh, uh, it, it's just been great. Had the presence of Almighty God. Our greatest need is the presence of Almighty God. Your greatest need, my greatest need is the presence of God. If you can put up this scripture in Isaiah 51 in verse 3. Isaiah 51. Isaiah the prophet said this. Isaiah 51 in verse, verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. The voice of melody means the voice of praise or the instrument of praise. Uh, the song, melody, the song of praise. So what's in the garden was joy, gladness, and the voice of melody or the, the song of praise, see, the presence of Almighty God. And so uh, all Adam needed was really what you and I need and our greatest need, and that's the presence of Almighty God. Adam lost it. They sinned, driven out of the garden, you know the story lost his greatest need was the presence of Almighty God. Old Testament time, you can just look at many examples. God said, Moses, my presence is so strong in this burning bush, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. This is the presence of Almighty God. You need the presence of God. What you're going to do, you're going to have to have the presence of God. And I'm trying to show you in the best way. Adam lost all of this and it's been lost. Now I want you to understand the presence of God. When the Lord gave them the tabernacle and he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day and then I'll have what we call the Shekinah glory of God on the day of atonement once a year. And he said, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that my presence, I want to dwell among you. I want my presence to be there because Israel your greatest need going through the wilderness is the presence of Almighty God. You have to have it and so I'm going to try to show you through the tabernacle and the pillar of fire and the cloud and, and my glory on a day of atonement. I'm going to show you and lead you with my presence. Uh, thank God. And uh, that will guide you through. So your greatest need that was lost in the beginning is the presence of Almighty God. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus, when he came on, they didn't realize. 
And so in several cases, uh, when uh, there was an individual, the lame man, and they brought him, they took off part of the roof, and the Lord's in this home. He said, you know what? We have to get this individual down in the presence of God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to get him in there. So they took it off, and when they let him down in the presence, he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? He's in the presence of Almighty God. And he said, well, who can forgive sins but God? He said, well, let me tell you what, just take up your bed and walk, because either one I can do, because I'm God manifest in the flesh. Well, this is the presence of Almighty God. And so uh, another a situation where a lady said, you know what, if I, I know that I, I, I don't have a right to touch him, but if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get close enough to touch the presence uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, just uh, uh, maybe I can't touch physically, but I'll touch his hem. If I can just get that close to the presence of God, I'll be made whole. And when she touched the hem of his garment, virtue flowed, thank God, and she was, she was made whole. And so when you, when you think of that and you think, Lord, and the Lord, how can I, what can I do? I can assemble them on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. You can pray, sing, worship, whatever. And then I'm going to fill you with my presence. And you're going to speak in another language as the Spirit gives utterance. This will let you know that my presence, the presence that Adam lost in the very beginning, that presence will be in you. Thank God. I'm going to fill you with the wonderful Spirit of God. We call the Holy Ghost, the presence of Almighty God. And so, uh, you know, right after that, the Bible tells us that Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and there at the gate, of course, was this uh, blind man, and he, and uh, and so he said, uh, asking alms of them, and, and Peter did these famous words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Well, he leaped up and uh, worshiping God and went into the temple and just, uh, you read, I think it's probably the fourth chapter, then some of the elders and some of the leaders in the religious community uh, said, uh, we want to know what, uh, what, what brought this all on. And they said, no, it's not us. Uh, said it's not by our power but it's uh, through the name and by the name of Jesus Christ whom you've crucified and the Lord's raised and gave them gave the, those leaders a little uh, sermon and uh, so uh, they said well you know what there's there's uh, uh, something wrong here because uh, uh, Peter uh, you don't have too much education and you're talking about all of this and John you're not too wise in fact the Bible says he said these guys are ignorant uh, that's what they said these are, these are ignorant men and but you know what it says they took notice and you'll read that verse it said they took notice that they had been with 
Jesus. They may be unlearned and ignorant, but they just came out, thank God, of an apostolic Holy Ghost downpour. They had been with Jesus uh, and God. And so they said, well, there's something here because they have been in the presence of Almighty God. Our, our greatest need and the greatest need of, of our society, the greatest need of the world, the greatest need of the church. Uh, and you say, Brother Joe Strand, well, this is why we come and we sing. Preach from God's word. Testify. We lift our hands. We clap our hands. Sometimes we make a, a walk or a run or we jump, we shout, we cry. What's all this about? It's because we're trying to usher in the, the presence of Almighty God. They sang a song here and I noticed the word the well, first, first sentence of it was, I think, and I, I don't remember all the words, was, Holy Ghost, you are welcome here. Presence of God, you are welcome here. I have to have the presence of Almighty God in my life. I have to be able to enter into it. That's why we gather here together is because of the, we have to have, and my need is the presence, my greatest need is the presence of God. What dwells in the presence of God? Joy, gladness, uh, the voice of melody and God. What dwells in the presence of God? Healing, forgiveness, uh, thank God, deliverance, uh, it's in the presence of Almighty God when we come, thank God, to the uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, we feel the divine touch from God. Several years ago, I had a young fellow. He's 12 years old, and I gave an altar call, and I said, come, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, come. And he got about the middle of the church, and the Lord hit him, and he started speaking in other tongues. He was just 12 years old, just started talking. He didn't make it, but the presence of God, not only here, the presence of God is there, the presence of God is here. The presence of God dwells in here because we are temples of the Holy Ghost. We're temples of the presence of God. And so when we gather together to worship him, the presence of God, we invite. Thank God we say, Holy Spirit, uh, come. Invite. The church creates that wonderful spirit of the Lord. We had last week we had two young girls. Uh, I have mentioned this. It's called Open Arms Shelter. In our community, it's an institute. It's sad we have to have these places, but uh, this, they do a great job. Anyway, this one has uh, now uh, probably 25, 30 young people, uh, and uh, uh, one of the directors or one of the leaders there brings several of these uh, people young people, and they're from birth to uh, 18 years of age, and right now they have basically, I think, 28 uh, teenagers. Either no parents or parents have been are involved uh, in, with drugs and they're in prison, taken away. These, they have no home, no parents, nothing. Sometimes they're abused, sometimes sexually abused, just... Uh, I don't even, uh, sometimes they'll tell me about it and I don't even ask 
about any of them. Uh, but uh, anyway, there were, I think, half a dozen of them sitting on the second seat. And we were worshiping the Lord, and uh, I don't even know what they were singing the song. Maybe it was, Are You Washed in the Blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lord. Anyway, they were singing, and two of those young girls, teenagers, I think 15, 16, came up to the altar, knelt down, and we're at the state where we can't, uh, we can't tell them you need to come pray, and that's, they're kind of out of our hands. We have rules and things that we are guided by, but they came on their own, and that's fine. Came there to the altar, and a group gathered around, they prayed and cried. I don't know any about their backgrounds, and uh, so uh, one of the leaders came up to me and said, Brother Joe Strand, uh, these two young ladies want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. As a church, we create this, this environment for a soul to feel that presence of God, that touch. I, I need to come and ask the Lord to strengthen me. And so uh, we said we would baptize them. In fact, Pastor Tech is getting ready to baptize them, but we had to get the caseworker. And if there was a parent involved, get permission. And so uh, we, were, we were hoping anyway, uh, the leader came back and said, well, they want to be baptized. And guess what? The caseworker wants to come, and I don't know how many others want to come. And they want to witness these young, two young ladies who felt that the environment was there. Thank God from the church for them to feel the need of Almighty God. And of course, we're thrilled anytime anyone comes from that walk of life into the presence of God. We do that. Thank God. When we're worshiping God and praying. And so you say, why do we sing worship of God? It's because we have to have the presence of Almighty God to touch us, to move us, to strengthen us. And you know, it, it, you say, Brother Joe Strand, what do, I, what do I need to do? Thank God. You need to get busy for God. You need to, whether you clap your hands or worship God or praise or stand or sing or shout or lift a hand and, and uh, you help this environment. We create this environment for a soul to be touched, healed, moved, blessed. I'm going to tell you a story. Right before Easter, in fact, we gave 28 baskets to this open arm shelter. And so Sister Joe Strand and myself, we said, well, we'll go over and we'll help. Another young lady joined us. So three of us, and we were putting together baskets. See, we were in the fellowship hall. No, it was, I think, uh, was it Saturday, I think, before Easter, we were putting these together. And we just came over to help, and we were just helping gather the, we make these baskets, and, and uh, people will buy them, and we give them to, and then we donate the things in them, and the candy, and the gifts, and so on. Anyway, we were doing that, and three of us were there working. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on the door, back door of the fellowship hall. The other young lady that was there went to the door, and here stood a young lady, and I didn't really recognize her, didn't know who she was. And this lady says, come in, we're just here making baskets. What can we do for you? And I looked, 
and I saw the individual and I, she said, my name is Jessica. And I went up and embraced her. Sister Joe Strand went over and embraced her. We said, it's so good to see you. And she said, Brother Joe Strand, I'm 31 years old. 16 years ago, I walked out of this church. My body is physically wrecked. My home, everything. She said, I, this is the prodigal daughter. She said, 16 years ago, I left. I was just 15 years old. Parents left and I left. I said, where do you live? She said, I live just about 20 minutes from here. And she said, she looked, tears in her eyes. She said, you know what? I have no hope at all. Sister Jostein put her arm around her. We walked her into the church, and she said, you have hope. Why did you come here? She said, I was driving by, and there was an urge within me. It was like someone said, go in there. I didn't know if anybody was here. There was only one car in the back. That was mine. She said, I came, and I just knocked on the door, saying, this is the only hope I have. Not, and so happened, we were there. We said, Jessica, you have hope. Two ladies got on each side of her. She could hardly walk, 31 years old. They helped her into the auditorium, put her on the front seat. The place is hallowed. His name is there. They each got on each side of her. And I st stood in the back behind, laid hands on her, and the presence of God came down on that little girl. She lifted her hands, began to pray. First time, first time, she began to call upon God. 15, 16 years haven't been in the house of God, haven't been there. Where are you? You're in the presence of Almighty God. And the power of God came down on her. She said, you know what? I got two little boys, eight and nine years old, and one girl, 12, said, I'm going to bring them. I'm going to get them, and they're coming back to the house of God. Why? Because of the presence of Almighty God. Thank God. Not special, not anything. But you know what? I have to have. Every time I enter this sanctuary, we call it the house of God. We call it the church of God. We call it, thank God, our Christian apostolic church, whatever you want to call it. It's where the presence of God abides. We have to have the greatest need that I have to have 
is the presence of Almighty God. If you need the Holy Ghost, your greatest need is the Holy Ghost. If you need to be baptized, your greatest need is to be buried in his name. But the greatest need, thank God, if we've done that, is the presence of Almighty I have to have it. I have to keep it. I have to have it. I have to have, thank God, the holy ground where the presence of God, thank God, is able to come down because I can't do that. I didn't lead her here. I didn't direct her. I didn't call her. Thank God. But I just said, I just call on the name that's above every name. Lord, touch this individual because she has no hope, but there is hope in God. There is hope, Lord, in your presence. I don't know what your condition is, and I don't know what your state is, and, and as I said, I couldn't call ten names if I wanted to, and I don't know ten needs, but I do know that your greatest need is to get into the presence of Almighty God. You say, Brother Joe Strang, I want to solve my problems. Let me tell you what, get the presence of God in your problems, and he'll solve them. Thank God. And so he just Get into the presence of God. That's my greatest need is to enter in. Lord, I need you. Thank God, whether it's the tears that flow, whether it's the hands that go up, or whether, thank God, I speak in a heavenly language, whatever, I just need to get in to your presence where I can feel that Shekinah glory touch me because that's my greatest need is just to link arms with God and say, Lord, I just, I, thank God, sometimes you don't have the choir. Sometimes you don't have the music. Sometimes you don't have the preacher to lay hands. Sometimes I just have to link arms with God and say, Lord, I need a divine touch from you. I need your presence. Our greatest need is the presence of Almighty God. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. We do not have the garden of the Lord. We don't have the garden of delight, the garden of Eden. But we're temples. The Lord's put his presence within us. Thank the Lord. And so I can enter into that presence we're just trying to create an environment, thank God, for God to move and touch. Thanks, the Lord. I know you've been at the altar, but I think it'd just be good for us just to come. And if you have a special need, we want you just to enter in to the presence of God. God's hallowed this house. He has put his name here for you and I just to say, Lord, I need your divine touch. I need your presence.